Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken, the rugby podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome to Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken, and this week we're joined by Wales legend James Hook, now, believe it or not, a children's book author. Rocket with Kieran Bracken. Oh, listen, listen! It's great to have you, James, on the on the podcast. And um, I know I know we're here to talk about rugby, but I'm I'm really intrigued about this story of uh, of writing your own sort of uh, children's book in it would call Kickoff. Um, so I just want to I've read about it, and I just want to get your take on it. Like most people, like I did a an, my own autobiography when I retired because someone came along and offered me a bit of money, and I thought that'd be really good to do. But for some, like, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that you'd be writing children's books? Uh, well, first of all, thanks, thanks for having me on. No problem. Really it. And, uh, to answer your question, no, not really. <laughs> um, I th- the idea came whilst I was playing in Gloucester. Um, yeah. So my eldest boy Harrison, I got three boys, and um, my eldest boy he wanted a, a rugby story. Um, there's a book fair after school, so I thought it'd just be a case of you know jump into the book fair, grab them a story, and I'll be that. But there were all sorts of of children's stories, obviously a lot of football stories. Yeah. Um, the only rugby stories there or books were facts of rugby world cups or, or lions tours, things like that. So I thought, well, we just get one online, and um, and you know that'll be that'll be the end of it. But I couldn't really find any online, so. Just got me thinking because when I was growing up and, and looking for stories to read, um, there wasn't a lot of rugby books back then either. So, no. I, like yourself, probably Kieran, you know, rugby mad um, to, to get kids to read. You know, you've got to have something they're interested in. Um, so, that's where the idea came. So, I didn't really do anything about it for, for a year or so. It was when I returned back to the Ospreys. Uh, I got in touch with a family friend who he works um, in, in the BBC on the radio and stuff. So, I knew he'd know a children's author, so he put me in touch with Dave Braley, uh, who I actually co-authored the book with, and yeah. um, I just told him about my ideas. And what, what I wanted, you mentioned about an autobiography, um, I, I didn't really want to do an autobiography, but I wanted it to be a fictional book based on a lot of my, my childhood growing up on the pitch, off the pitch, going into my senior career as well, but, it, but it's through the eyes of a 10-year-old boy called Jimmy. I love it. I love the storyline. But, you know, you say that you use your own experiences to shape the book. And I yeah. sort of like saw that you were saying, like one of the things I quite found quite funny is that you you said you couldn't tackle. So no fly else can tackle, can they, James? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? But um, I, I remember you you said said there was you made an en- enemy of one of the teachers. So just tell me about that and, and, and how true was that? Have you named him the real teacher's name? Uh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> and it's... Again, because it's a, it's a fictional story, that's not based on... So all my teachers in school were great. And um, I suppose this this teacher was Mr. Kane. Um, he becomes the, the... He's a teacher in the school. Right. He becomes a rugby coach. And uh, Jimmy's messing about in the yard and, and puts him up and under up. And uh, it clogs him on the head. And, you know, that's where, you know, he sort of takes a dislike to Jimmy. But <laughs> uh, he becomes the rugby coach. And his methods, and you probably come up against coaches... Um, which don't like the, your style of play and obviously do like your style of play yeah. and that's rugby and sport in general, isn't it? Mm. So Mr. Kane is is a combination of of all the bad coaches I've had, really, all in all in one one guy. <laughs> so, not really a nice guy. <laughs> oh my god. I bet, I bet the teachers, if they're still at the school, must be thinking, that's not me. That's definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you have to get that in. It's, it's not related to any teachers. 
No, brilliant. But listen, it's it's a great idea and it's a great concept. And uh, I guess you want to you want to do this as your first one, and then you're hoping to sort of do more. What's the next? What's the sequence or the sequel? Yeah. So we've we've got a, a two book contracts. We've just finished the second book. Actually, it's um it's it's just gone to edit. Right. Uh, it's been delayed. It should have been out by now. To yeah. be honest, because of COVID and all that sort of thing, it's uh, been delayed. What's that called? Uh, What's that yeah. one called? Uh, so we actually haven't, we haven't actually named it yet, but yeah. it's obviously a progression to to book one. So right. he he gets selected into an academy right. um, called the the Eagles Academy, and he goes on there and and well without giving too much away, basically Mr. Kane ends up there. So it, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! Oh, I love that. Oh, that sounds really that sounds really. I'm more excited about the book than talking about rugby at the moment with COVID <laughs> and all that stuff going on. But the other thing that you're doing was on S4C, which is this um, this sort of learning to speak Welsh. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you sound very Welsh. You sound like you would be able to speak Welsh, all right? So so you you, you could, couldn't speak a word of it. Was it not taught at school? Was it not? You'd think so, listening to me. I should be able to speak Welsh. But, you know, there's obviously certain areas in Wales who, who can speak Welsh. A lot of people in North Wales, uh, you know, it's, it's their first language. Yeah. Um, down in sort of West Wales, Thlethley Way, which is only sort of 20 minutes away from, from where I grew up. They, they speak a lot of Welsh, but I'm from Port Talbot. Um, and basically, you know, my grandparents, my parents, brother, sister, obviously they couldn't speak Welsh. So I wasn't grown up around it. So yeah, I, I, I didn't speak Welsh. And um, yeah, obviously now I've retired. There's a, there's a program called Yaitha Daith, which is uh, a program with all people from all walks of life. Uh, they, they take part and uh, try and learn the language. And Nigel Owens was, my mentor and we went away for four days um to Tembe and to Nigel's farm. So I was a slave, slave labor in Nigel's farm, sweeping up the uh, the hay and the, the cow's mess and all that sort of stuff. But learning Welsh through everyday life really. Right. So you so he was teaching you, he was your mentor, and you weren't allowed to speak, let's say, English. You'd have to speak in Welsh the whole time. Uh no, well I I could speak English, but yeah. Nigel would, would correct me and give me, right. you know, so for example, cows is, is Bilk, you know, and he, he just tell me little things along the way. And uh, it was great fun because I've known Nige from a refereeing point of view since, you know, 2005, 2006. Yeah. Uh, but to get to know him, you know, four days on a road trip with him and the crew was, uh, was a great laugh. And uh, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like when it, when it comes out. Mind, I'm a bit nervous about that. But Do you fancy that? I mean, I know you're going into coaching, but do you fancy running a farm, speaking a bit of Welsh with no one around? <laughs> Not at all. Not, Not at, at all. all. Oh, so listen, you've had a great career and, um, you know, I've watched you from afar and uh, when I sort of retired, you were coming into the fore, but, you know, you've had a long career and you're still involved in rugby, but I just want to talk about your personal career, you know, 81 caps, gone on a Lions tour, you've done so many things, Grand Slams. And so, you know, from your point of view, what would you say is the highlight of your career? If you had to say that 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 one moment, obviously your first catch is really important. Would it be the Lions? Would it be the um, the Grand Slam matches? Or uh, it's hard to pick, to pick just one. They probably you you probably be the same. But yeah, yeah, like you say, first cap was was special. But I think winning the first Grand Slam was was really special. Um, I think it's just because it was so unexpected. We just uh, the previous year or a few months before got knocked out of the World Cup in two thousand and seven. Yeah. In Fiji, everything was up in the air. We changed courts. Obviously, that's when Gatland came in. Mm. Um, and we, we beat England, then, didn't we, in Twickenham uh, for the first time in, in 20 years, didn't we? So, but that was, I, I think it was because it was so unexpected. Yeah. Um, Gatland came over. He probably didn't know a great deal about us as players. He picked 13 Ospreys, 
probably because the Ospreys were playing so well at the time and he thought, well, let's just have a go with these boys and, and see where we are. And then obviously we ended up beating England and, you know, it's like he running the Six Nations, momentum gathers and yeah. Scotland and then so on. And we ended up winning the Grand Slam. So that was, that was really special. You must have enjoyed the Lions Tour as well. We'll talk about Lions Tour later, but the Lions Tour for you must have been quite special as well. I mean, like me, you didn't get capped, but just to be on the tour, just to, to be part of that special group is amazing, isn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. And I, um, cause I, I didn't initially get selected in the, no. the squad and then... Uh, I think it was Shanklin or Halfpenny. Both of them got injured anyway. Mm. Um, so I had, a, I had a call up. I actually left with with a squad uh, from London. So I felt part of the whole tour. I played yeah. in, I think it was involved in seven matches then. But you say I was on the bench for the last test um, and didn't get on, unfortunately, which, uh, you know, is, is uh, disappointing. But, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. But um, I remember, yeah, just, just little things like getting the phone call from Ian McGeechan, who is obviously a legend of the game. and watching all the, the DVDs growing up of him, just to get that phone call. I was out with my with my wife uh, for her 21st birthday. We were out having food with the family, and my phone was ringing in my pocket, and I just sort of thought, I'll, I'll leave that. Yeah. Know, it's not important. But it kept ringing, kept ringing. It was an unknown number, so I walked away, took the phone call. And, Brilliant. And you and McGee can say, do you fancy coming on a, on a Lions tour? So well, you know, I, I knew I'm... we to wish my wife happy birthday put it that way I know it's very special isn't it because all these all these players come from all the different nations kicking the shit out of each other in the six nations and then well the five nations when I was start, started out but I got the call in 97 and I was on I was on holiday I can't remember I was out of the Cayman Islands or something I got this call saying you've been called up and I tell you what, the rush, you know, that that rush to think, oh my God, I'm going to be, you know, part of this. I mean, I got injured in the, the only game I played, but just to be out there, be with the guys, it was honestly, it was like a stag party. This is when it went from like amateur to professional, but um, just to have been part of it. Obviously, I feel disappointed, maybe like you, that I didn't get capped. But at the end of the day, it's nice to actually get a physical cap to say you play for the Lions. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah exactly. And when that comes through the post, it just... Uh... Yeah, just just relive all the memories, then, didn't you? But so so going looking at Wales in, in your first Grand Slam. So looking at it right at the moment, and as we speak, you look at this Wales team now. If the start of the the campaign, we'd have thought, well, they've they've only won three out of ten. They're really struggling. I, I don't know what the betting odds were. I'm not a betting man, but I, I'd say they were pretty pretty low for a Grand Slam. Yeah. And do you know what's really great about this Six Nations is how unexpected, you know, teams have played. Scotland have been fantastic against England and then suddenly lose to Wales. Wales, you'd think, would be bottom of the table, fighting with Italy uh, for the wooden yep. spoon, so to speak. And then, just like you did, you know, in your that in that Grand Slam, they somehow found a way to win. I don't know how they did it. Like, I mean, seriously, I mean, 24 all against England. But in the other games, you know, a player sent off and nearly blew it in the last minute. But there's just something about this Welsh team that, has got that sort of rock behind and experience with those players, you know, Alvin Jones, a captain, all those yeah. sort of players. And for some reason, it's suddenly come together at the right time, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. You're right. And I suppose there are some comparisons actually with 2008 because the autumn Wales had uh, previously was was really poor. And like you say, people were talking about Wales, you know, finishing near the bottom half of the table. And then, yeah, yeah like you say, one win, it gets, you get that momentum. And yeah, okay, there were, there were a couple of red cards obviously in the first two games, which... It obviously helped Wales, but I suppose Wales just, you know, they, they've got to play us in front of them. It's not their fault. Teams give red cards away and obviously the referee indecisions. Um, oh my England. God. Well, you must have watched that be going. I mean, I was watching it going, no, that, that cannot be right. I mean, I mean, have you done that before as a fly half? Have you taken a quick penalty and scored and do a crossfield kick and that sort of thing when, when, when no one's looking? 
Uh-huh. Not quite like I've done a few cross field kicks, but nothing like uh, when the referees told the team to go and have a chat and then his back. It was, it was a hell of a tech up in fairness, wasn't it? What well, about the knock on? I mean, you were, you must have been watching it going. Every rugby player around the country was asked to knock on. All the Wales team asked to knock on. And then for them to talk, the referee to talk with it, and then the, the, the guy in the TMO going, yeah, well, say, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's okay. It's like, oh my God, is this really happening? Honestly. Yeah, I know. I know because we were in, we, I was doing some radio comedy in the stadium and yeah. we everyone around the place was it's, it's a knock on. I think yeah. you know it was it was bizarre and obviously like you say the referees started chatting and saying on on field decisions are trying like what surely not. So, so in fairness, England you know they got to feel a bit aggrieved, but like you, you just mentioned, Kieran, yeah. a twenty four all momentum was all yeah. with England. And they had their chances, but I suppose their indiscipline in the end uh, cost them. No, that I mean, look, the indiscipline was... T- you, you know, to win international rugby, you've got to have discipline, keep your penalties under 10. And it, it does sway the game. I think three of the uh, bench came on and gave penalties away, and that lost the, the momentum. But fair play to Wales. But can, this is the question, though. Can this Wales team... I, do you know what? For some reason, you know, part of me says there's no way they can go on. They're going to beat Italy, of course. But there's no way they're going to beat France. But but then they might do. Do you know what I mean? You just never know. And I like I got to admit, I I thought they would they would have lost to Ireland. Yeah. Um, and obviously I was wrong. And Ireland, to be fair, were the best team with 40 men for probably 55, 60 minutes that yeah, game. Exactly. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think you know you you look at it and how well France are playing. It's probably the best French team we've all seen for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, I think Wales at the moment are hard to beat. And the difference now from Wales in the autumn is the, the set piece has been sorted out. They've got a, quite a solid scrum. The defence is a lot better than what it was in the autumn. And they've got a good kicking game as well. And, you know, they take their opportunities. They're a tough side to beat. So I'm not going to write them off this time, I'm telling you. No, I mean, I'd, lo- I'd love to, to write Wales off. I tell you, honestly, I, I never lost to Wales, by the way. I never lost to Wales All in right. my career. Yeah, in the 10 years. I think I played seven, one seven. So that was quite good. The one the one at uh, the one at, at uh, Wembley, you remember where Scott Gibbs went under the post? Oh, yeah. I was yeah, injured yeah. for that game, yeah. thank God. But uh, God, there's been some fantastic... Oh, what a game. But just, just talking about... Um, just a couple of players in the Wales squad, and and it's interesting. So Wales play Italy, obviously, and why is why do Wales create the most amazing halfbacks? All right, I don't know what it is about you guys, but if there's anything you can say <clears throat> with with their halfbacks, they're always like fantastic quality, going back years and years and years. So Gareth Edwards going on, but even so, example that the the Italian scrum half Stephen Varney, born in Wales, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. probably you know probably good enough to play for Wales but you've got so many Welsh players but you know, Gareth Davis is playing now but there's two or three ahead of him I mean it's just ridiculous Reese Webb we've got all these players where they how do you breed them is it on the in these farms where they speak in just Welsh <laughs> or something it's Nigel Owen's farm isn't it <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable what, uh, why is that then it's, it's really amazing I I can't answer that to be honest Key. I, I don't know what like you just mentioned, Reese Webb, he's yeah. he's not even in the Welsh squad at the moment, and yeah. he's playing out the skin for the Ospreys. And yeah, I, I'm not sure. And I think you got um, Kieran Hardy and Gareth Davis in the Scarlets. They competing, yeah, toe to toe, and putting pressure on on each other every week. And yeah, to answer your question, I don't know. I think we just you know just blessed with with the halfbacks we got. And like you've got to go to ten. You got Dan Bigger and Callum Sheedy, a complete contrast. Yeah. Player. Great, uh, complementing each other really well. So. 
yeah, I think we're just lucky and just just enjoy it when it's there, I think. So, Liz, I want to talk to you about England because England have uh, made a couple of changes for this weekend. Uh, massive game for England playing against France. I mean, you know, England have got two formidable games coming up. France, who now have got a lot of their players back uh, from, from COVID. Um, but so England may change. You may have seen Max Malins is coming in for Elliot Daly. Elliot Daly, one of those players who's had a horrible Six Nations, not obviously not playing um, sort of... Uh, Premiership rugby at Saracens, and so it's it's all been a bit difficult. Uh, Cowan Dickey's come in for Jamie George and Charlie Ewell's in the second row. So, do you think? I mean, there's a lot of criticism of Eddie Jones, and I'm one of them. I, you know, I look at players like, um, say, Marcus Smith, for example, or yeah. Max Malins, or Ben Earl, all these sort of players, or even even Sam Simmons from Exeter, who's been just unbelievable. But after the World Cup, Eddie Jones said he's going to change it. He's going to change the team around and be new faces in there. And he's not really done that. Maybe one or two little ones, but he's kept with the same players. And also the brand of rugby we are playing is so shit. Every English supporter I speak to just, just hangs their head in shame as like, we're better than this. And I kind yeah. of feel though that the winning strategy from Eddie Jones in England has been strangle you in, in, in set piece kick the life out of the ball and defend for our lives and create mistakes. So that's what they've done. But then everyone else, Wales, France, Scotland, maybe not so much Ireland, okay, have just taken the game to another level and said, well, let's try and win the game by keeping the ball. But England don't look like they can do that. So do you think there's a do you think there's a, a problem here with England where they're not sure where they stand and how to win games and whether they should try and expand everything? Yeah, it's tough because I obviously I was watching the, the Scottish game and like, like you say, they've got this game plan of, of strangling teams up front and, and kicking the ball a lot. And I think against Scotland, that 50, 50 60 minute mark, when obviously that wasn't working, yeah. you think, well, something's got to change now. And, and they were still, they were getting up to Scottish 40 and still kicking the ball. Oh. Yeah, I know the conditions were poor. And I was watching, I was thinking, I felt sorry for Ollie Lawrence and still do now. He had one touch and and that's, you know, well, he's, oh, whether we'll see him again. 60, in the 60, yeah, 62nd minute. He's on the bench, though, for this weekend. So hopefully he'll get on and, and get a go. Yeah, so, you know, people like him, and, and I feel like if you're going to pick someone of his quality, then surely, you know, he had one touch in that game, regardless of the conditions, you've got to find a way of trying to get him into the game. And, yeah, I think Eddie Jones reminds me actually a little bit of, of Gatlin in terms of he's quite stubborn. I think, you know, the more people call for, for change, you know, he, yeah. he won that. And, you know, Gatlin had a hell of a lot of criticism in his career and he stuck with the same type of squad yeah. throughout the majority of his reign. And that, that sort of reminds me a bit of, of Eddie Jones really. And you mentioned like the Simmons boys and Marcus Smith. He's so many boys and talent they can bring in, but I suppose they're different type of players to so the boys that are there. So would that obviously change Eddie's game plan completely then maybe? But you know, um, I, so so yeah, but, but, but the way Eddie Jones is, like you say, he's very stubborn. The more we talk about Sam Simmons, the further away he's going to get to selected. But... Um, but it's interesting. I think I think there's a couple of changes with England, and you know, I suppose they got a shot to nothing. I mean, I'm, I believe that if England picked younger players like Gareth Southgate has done, you know, in the football, is that you get a free pass for a while, don't you? You'll get yeah, so yeah. you'll get a year at least where people, you know, people like Ben Spencer are tearing it up as a nine, you know, and they're still not getting a chance. 
So, so just just moving on though with the Lions, and, and we both admit it was you know a very special moment to play for the Lions. Now we do really do hope it wouldn't would be great though for the Lions to to be played, wouldn't it, in the UK, in Belfast, and in um, you know in 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 Wales and in England and Scotland. And um, so, so from your point of view, you know, with your history, I just want you to just pick a few names. So, who would be your number, uh, your starter at ten for the Lions? Mm-hmm. And, and who would be on the bench? So you're playing against South Africa, first test, okay? So I've written down here who I think you'll pick as the star and on the bench. Okay. I think you think I've picked Finn Russell. Yes, I think you've picked Finn Russell, right? So what do you think I've picked as my second pick? Um, Dan Bigger? Yeah, I've written Dan Bigger. Yeah. yeah, I knew you'd pick I, that. I, I think that. Yeah, because you you're biased. Because you're biased. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to see someone like Finn Russell. I don't think Gatlin would pick Finn Russell. Do uh, you? No. I don't, I don't know, because it, go, it goes away from... You think of all the other 10s he's coached with Wales. Uh, you know, like he's probably preferred some someone like Stephen Jones. Yeah. Then Bigger, Priestland, um, all, all obviously excellent players, very... Um, don't want to say structured, but you know they 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 do what it says in the tin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you look at Owen Farrell, Sexton, you know, and and I think I'd be very surprised. I think he go. I think he should, and I think he will go on the Lions tour if there's one this year. Finn Russell. Yeah, I think he will. F match against staff. I don't think he'll pick Finn Russell as a start. Oh, you can't say that. Are you serious? I bet, and listen, you know the psyche of this man, don't you? You know more than anyone. So who do you? Okay, so I if if I thought. There was going to be two players that they would pick. I think they would pick on form anyway. They would have, I thought Finn Russell and Dan Bigger on the bench, right? Because there's a bit of a contrast yeah. there. I think Sexton maybe passed it. Farrell might be on the bench as a twelve, you know. Um, but but actually, like you say, he is quite stubborn, isn't he? Um, on his selections, and he might be a little, bit, a little bit like Eddie Jones. Everyone says it should be, and he doesn't do that. He might be on the bench. He could be. Could he could reverse it if he was to, okay? So let's say I had. Finn Russell on the bench and Dan Big is injured. Who who's the who's the starting? Would you have would you have Dan Bigger ahead of say Owen Farrell at ten? Would you have Dan Bigger ahead of Owen Farrell? Starting, I I really like Owen Farrell. I think I think I, I do feel sorry for him the stick he's taken right because yeah. he 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 was the one who guided England to that to that World Cup final. Yeah, he and did. I don't think okay he's made a couple of errors uh, that probably. Unlike going Farrell, but he, yeah. he's the same player, and I think fans, English fans, probably want England to play a bit more expansively. But Owen Farrell hasn't changed as a player. I think he's still world class at what he does. Um, okay, he made a few errors now and again, but I think he still fits that Eddie Jones Scotland type of game plan. So I think probably Gatland would go with someone like Farrell. I think you're probably right, but but probably maybe maybe Finn Russell on the bench so someone can do something different and change the game. Um, who do you think yeah. should be captain? No, Sexton's still a quality player. Yeah. He's had his and stuff. So, and I know you know Gatland would like a, you know a player like Sexton on that tour if he's fully fit and, and firing. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a big number ten who's going to miss out or, or two even. Yeah, no, I agree. Who would you have? I mean, if you were to. Uh, appoint a captain now for that tour. Um, I mean, I think you have to look at the Wales captain at the moment, don't you, on form? I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be great for him, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, wow. A year ago, I probably said, oh, maybe it's a stretch too far. And yeah. I think the COVID has been, you know, 
great in terms of rug, uh, no rugby for Alan Wynne Jones. He's had a rest. He's rested his body. Um, he's had a handful of games now in Six Nations, and and he looks he looks 26 again. Well, he doesn't look 26 again. He plays like he's 26. <laughs> yeah, he definitely doesn't look 26. <laughs> but uh, he's he's playing unbelievable, and I think he's obviously he's talk about Atoji being. I don't know what you think about Atoji being captain. I, I don't. No, I don't really. I can't. That. I don't get it at all. I mean. You know, he's never been a captain, really, is he? And I, no. I don't know where it's come from. You know, there's probably Stuart Hogg, Farrell, yeah. Sexton, Alan Wynne Jones, all in front of him. So I, I don't even know where that, that even came from. You know, that, that I idea. don't know. I mean, I think they're like the romanticism of it, you know, uh, maybe the first black captain going to South Africa would be great, but you've got to, you've got to earn the spot. And actually, when you look at it, he, he hasn't captained England. He, he may have captained Saracens, but. You know, he's got to sort his own game discipline out, but he's not necessarily the sort of person I think is is probably used to sort of organising people quite like Farrell is. I think when things yeah. go bad, everyone just points to the captain; it's their fault, you know. Uh, but sometimes yeah. it is. I think I think he's a nail on starter. Is Georgie? Yeah. yeah. Um, just in terms of captain, you know, I don't I don't really see that, you know. Now I just want to uh, finish off by talking about uh, you've got three uh, young boys, haven't you? Is that right? So I've got three boys as well. So what are your ages? Uh, so eleven, five, and three. Eleven, five, and three. So mine are mine are seventeen, um, 15, seventeen, fifteen, and twelve. Right. Yeah. So um, and they're all doing well. Uh, the, the oldest ones. They're both two of them in the academy, and the the younger ones going through. Well, hopefully they'll play against your boys in the next five or eight, ten years, or whatever. So you're coaching them at the moment. I know that I think I think Harrison plays for is it Mumbles or whatever. So you're yeah, yeah, yeah so you're yeah. the coach there. So well, you know what's it like being a a proud dad and trying to get your son to is he a fly off or is he uh is he going to be- yeah he's a fly off oh, bloody yeah. hell, brilliant he loves it. yeah. Oh, I, I I love it, and I've really missed it. Obviously, over the this this COVID period and and during lockdown, because obviously we haven't had any rugby. And yeah. Sunday morning, going down to the pitch because my two younger boys as well, Ollie and George, they they play um, on the same pitch and train as well. Brilliant. And it's, uh, it's brilliant. Sunday morning, just just down there is yeah. you know just reminds reminds us of what it was like for us. Is, it, is everyone was like, "That's James Hurt." Listen to him. Listen. Is everyone like, "Oh wow, look." <laughs> You sick of seeing me down there now, man. Uh, after a while, listen, when you get to my age and you go down and you do a bit of coaching, no one has a Scooby-Doo who you are, right? So give it a few more years, all right? No one will have a clue who you are. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm not far off our stage now, Key, i got to be honest. <laughs> I'm just Madison's dad now. <laughs> now, now there's, there's a lot out there about the concussions, isn't there? And, and your sons are coming through and um, Alex Popham and many, many players have, have joined this legal action. And um, I, I wonder what it was like for you, though. I mean, you were probably quite lucky because you were professional at quite a late stage comparative to me. I mean, I played... You know, my first senior game was in 1991. That's how old I am. It was in black and white. And it was, it literally was the Wild West. I mean, rugby was so dangerous. Seriously, it was so dangerous. And actually, when you get concussed, uh, you know, you were, weren't expected to go off. You were expected or knocked out. You were expected to play on. Otherwise, you're a big wussy. So it's interesting what's coming out there about all the ex-players. How do you feel about it? From How are you handling your career? And what about for your kids? I, I think... When I first came through professionally, you know, I had knocks to the head, and and I think the the protocols, concussion protocols, have have come on a hell of a lot since I first became professional, and up to the point they retired last year. So, I think they're learning all the time. The, the doctors, the medics, you know, they they try to improve it all the time, and mm. you know the the scat tests we have to go through now, and um, you know the 
the things at the start of every season, we have to get a concussion baseline. Um, so if we do have a knock in the head or to the head during the season, you know, there's lots of protocols we have to go through. And yeah. it's come on hell of a lot. But I think, you know, the, the, there's more knowledge there now, isn't it? So to what it was, you know, certainly the start of my career, but obviously definitely from when you first started. Oh, it was absolutely mad. Just finally, though, so the rivalry between England and Wales, which player if which player did you, um, with England, did you least like playing against? Least like playing against? Least like playing against. Um, it's got to be a forward, is not it? Who's, who's taking you out a few times? Or is it a back? Uh, or who would you I like? Love playing against England, see? So I didn't have a play I... I thought, oh, I don't fancy playing against him. Um, no, you just, you well, know, go on. I suppose Tuilangi was always tough. He'd, yeah. If I was playing against him, he'd always get sent down uh, the 10 channel. So, you know what I mean? You just, just close your eyes job there and all for the best. Well, it says in your book that you couldn't tackle. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, yeah did, did, hopefully it helped you and you got the right sort of like, uh, sort of, tactics how to take someone down but uh, yeah I wouldn't like to, to Lange running down at me either but listen it's no, been a pleasure no. pleasure to have you on good luck with the book kick off that, that we can get where can we buy it can we buy it on Amazon or at- yeah you can get it on Amazon yeah yeah so it's, it's called it's called Chasing a Rugby Dream brilliant and the first is kick off yeah kick off alright well good luck with it and I hope your Welsh gets better and I really do hope uh, for Wales' sake that uh, they go on. And uh, yeah, it would be nice for you lot to win the Grand Slam and the French can sort of cry for a maybe a year or two to the World Cup. Anyway, thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Hey, Cheers. great to speak to you. Thanks, mate. Kieran Bracken, Rocket. Thanks to James Huck for joining us on Rocket with me, Kieran Bracken. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to review us on your platforms. See you next week.